Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about writing, how you can write awesome text that will bring results, sales, traffic, anything, anything. Uh, I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Rob Marsh. How are you? Hey Anatoly, I am good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it's a big pleasure to get on my show. You know, when you joined me, I check out your background. You know, you have so many books. Before we start, just tell more about experience, background, and uh, why you have so much, so many books on your background. <laughs> well, I mean, it's my bookcase, and it's not all of my books. There's a whole bunch mm -hmm. more downstairs, and there's some on the other side of my office. But I, 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 it's the best way to learn. And the great thing about a book is that you can dip in and dip out as you need it, and. So So having them, you know, available for reference, yeah, you know, if I want ideas, whatever, uh, yeah, I, I like to surround myself with books. It's something I grew up with, and uh, it's kind of the only, the only thing that I collect is books, and I have way too many of them, as you noticed. Mm -hmm, yeah. Okay. Uh, can you tell more about your experience, background, uh, your customers, uh, how you can help them to grow? Yeah. More about your business. Yeah. So I'm a copywriter. Uh, I've been writing copy and that means, you know, the words that companies use, whether it's online or offline and catalogs, television ads, radio ads, you know, anything like that. But I've been doing that since about 1994 uh, for all kinds of companies, banks, uh, packaged goods companies, online companies. Um, and I currently work uh, primarily with tech companies and software companies to create sales pages for their offerings. I also do a little bit of work with health and wellness companies selling nutraceuticals, uh, health supplements, that kind of thing as well. And then uh, the Copywriter Club, which is the business that I formed with my partner, Kira Hug, we help other copywriters learn how to create businesses that are meant to last. So a lot of copywriters are very good at writing, but they're not very good at identifying their niche, at marketing themselves and attracting clients, you know, having them come to them about building their authority, figuring out packages and how to price them effectively. And so we teach copywriters how to do all of that. And so uh, I'm a working copywriter, working with clients, and then I also work with other copywriters to help them do the things that I've done relatively successfully so far. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, love it. Uh, okay, you mentioned about uh, creating uh, uh, text for sales pages, uh, e-commerce uh, websites. Uh, can you tell more? Uh, for, for example, you know, if I check out uh, Apple website, I can see uh, uh, like quotes. It's not uh, about text; It's just a few quotes uh, make difference uh, and something like this. Not not a lot of text. But when I check out some uh, other websites, I can see a lot of text. How to find this balance between uh, the length of text for e-commerce uh, pages and uh, products? Yeah, that is a really good question that not enough people are asking. And so, uh, you know, I would I would think about it like this. You know, if you go into a store, uh, a shop of some kind, and you're looking for, uh, let's say you want to buy a stereo system, uh, you know, high quality, high um, fidelity stereo system. And the salesperson is going to... Uh, basically ask you some questions, you know, how much do you know about stereos? What kind of thing are you looking for? If you are, if you don't know very much about stereos, you're going to need a lot bigger sales message to help you understand, okay, this is what you need to know about the speakers. And this is what you need to know about an amplifier. And if you listen to this kind of music, you might want to think about these kinds of options. 
And, and so that sales message that that salesperson is giving you one-on-one -on -one is going to take a little bit of time because he's going to educate you. He's going to help you understand how your needs are matched to certain products. But if you go into that store and you're uh, an audiophile, you know exactly what you want. You've maybe you've owned four or five systems in the past, and now you know that you want a particular brand that's going to have a particular output, certain sounds. You know that you love jazz, and so you want to make sure that you're optimizing the speakers for you know this this kind of music. Well, that salesperson, once they know that information, they can say, well, okay, here is the system. And it's it's a much smaller uh, sales message that they have to give you. It's the same thing when we're working online. So it's not as simple as saying, okay, I want 500 words or I want 3000 words. You need to understand your customer, where they are in the buying journey. So you know, do they know that they have a problem? Because if they don't, then you've got to teach them a lot more. Uh, if they do know that they have a problem, then do they know about the solutions that are out there? If they know about the solutions, uh, do they know about a particular product that they want to know more about or that they want to use? And if they know that product, uh, then the message that they need is is you know significantly shorter than you know. Um, somebody who's not aware. And so it really comes down to what is your customer's need? Where are they along that buying journey? And then understanding what is the message that's going to help them solve that problem that they have. Um, so, you know, it could be, it could be a very long message if they're just starting the buying journey and they don't know anything, it could be something very short, you know, going back to my previous example, if I know what stereo system that I want and I walk into the shop, all the person has to do is say, you know, here's the system you're looking for. It's 50% off today. Do you want it? Like you could sell me in 50 words or less. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it really comes to understanding your buyer and what they need to hear in order to make the decision to solve their problem. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. But uh, can you tell how to learn customers? Because, you know, I often see when uh, websites, uh, uh, many projects rely a lot on tools. But uh, when I, uh, I read a few marketing books, uh, CEOs of big companies can go to the customers to spend time with them, to learn more about them. For example, if you have a new project and you need to learn about customers, uh, provide your insights how to do it uh, to get the right data and set up the right message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. So if you're brand new and you don't already have customers uh, and mm -hmm. as a copywriter, you know, I would be working with a company. Hopefully they've got some customers that I can just ask. Right. I can give them a survey or I can set up some one on one mm -hmm. interviews and I can talk to their customers. But if they don't have that, then you need to go out into the marketplace and find it. So you might look at some potential competitors. Um, you know, Do they. Uh, choose out three or four companies that are doing something similar, see if you can find their customers and you can ask them, right? There are places that you can go online. So Reddit is a fantastic resource for mm -hmm. anybody because there are groups that talk about everything. And so, you know, if you have a new software company and it's about habit formation, um, you know, maybe it's a, a tool or something I use on my phone that's going to help me develop good habits, I can go onto Reddit and start looking for groups that talk about habit formation, right? And I start to identify, okay, what are some of the things that, that they're talking about? What are the problems that they're solving? What are the things that are working and not working? Or I might be able to find um, books on Amazon that are about habit formation. And I'll go down to the comments and I'll, I'll probably ignore most of the five-star comments because you know, some of those may be, may be fake. 
fake. Um, some of the one star comments are just, you know, really, um, mm -hmm. really critical, not necessarily that helpful, but the comments that have say two or three or four stars are going to be really helpful. I'm going to pay attention to what people are saying because they've taken the time to think about this book, this topic, what works for them, what doesn't. And I'll start to look through that information as well. And so, um, and there are lots of other groups too. You know, it's not just Reddit or Amazon. Obviously there are groups on Facebook. You can follow conversations on Twitter. Um, social media is really helpful for this kind of thing, but there are also professional groups that are out there. So, you know, if I'm working uh, with an orthopedist uh, and I need to find out something about their customers, you know, I might find um, professional organizations for orthopedists that are out there in the world, not just online, but in the real world, that I might be able to get some of their publications or I might be able to get into a forum, something like that. So there are lots and lots of resources and you just got to be really creative about finding where it is that your customers are hanging out and talking about the problems that they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I think the era of lazy marketers is that, you know, if you don't use many resources, you know, Reddit, forums, uh, social media groups, anything, uh, yeah, uh, you, you, you can't set up the right message, you know, to create awesome content. Um, you know, um, uh, uh, I want to mention about a few uh, popular brands. The, uh, for example, uh, I check out, uh, uh, for example, marketing campaigns from BMW. You know, uh, uh, I don't see uh, features of new cars. You know, I can see happy people, uh, nice looking cars. You know, um, everything is fine. It, it looks great. Can you tell uh, how to create the message that uh, covers uh, emotional part, not uh, logical? Because 75% of all decisions are emotional. But when uh, I check out content of uh, for many new projects, they usually write, a lot of features. We are great with that. We have some features, but other websites have uh, totally the same. Other products have it. Uh, can you tell more about storytelling and how to provoke emotion? Yeah, so that's a really big question, and we could talk literally for weeks about uh, <laughs> this topic. But you're right. Like, and one of the reasons that we don't see emotion in a lot of copy that's out there is because it's hard to get to that. It's really easy to talk about features. Features are simply things that describe a product, right? So right now you're wearing some headphones as we're talking. Uh, they're over the ear headphones. That's a feature. They're blue. That's a feature. Um, I'm guessing that they're uh, Bluetooth technology because I don't see a wire. And so that's a feature, right? So there's, there's three features. And, you know, if most people are, are thinking, okay, I've got to sell some headphones. I'll write about, uh, I'll describe the headphones. And it's, you know, so uh, we've just described some of the headphones that you wore, but that, that doesn't tap into maybe the emotional reasons that you would buy this particular set of headphones over these earbuds that I have. Now these, these earbuds, I think they cost me like $3. Like they're super cheap. Um, you know, they're just, I, I burn through them pretty quickly. And so, you know, I can just toss them or whatever. Um, why would I want to buy yours instead of, of mine? Well, let's, let's talk about that. So um, the Bluetooth technology means that you're not tied to your desk uh, with a wire, right? So you can roam around your office, you can get up, you can stretch. Um, and so that's, that's the first benefit of uh, the feature of Bluetooth technology. But 
it's actually not all that compelling, you know, because, okay, yeah, you can walk around or whatever. So how do you um, emotionalize that? Well, you need to think about um, how that impacts your life, right? So you're going to dimensionalize it to the way that you use it. Um, so not being tied to your desk means that, um, you know, in the middle of an interview like this, uh, you can get up and stretch and, you know, you can keep your energy high. And that means that you show up in a better way uh, for the person that you're interviewing or for your audience that's listening right now. And so they have a better experience uh, working with you, right? So we're starting to, to get into some of the emotional reasons that you might want to do it as opposed to, oh, well, it's this cool technology. Um, you know, let's talk about the color blue. Uh, they're blue, right? That's a feature. Um, you know, maybe uh, the fact that you like blue is tied to, um, you know, some other preference that you have. So maybe there's a, a football team that you follow uh, or a university that you went to. And, you know, that's one of their colors. And so there's an emotional tie there for you that maybe somebody else wouldn't have. Somebody else might want to choose red or yellow or green, right? So, um, or maybe blue just happens to be your favorite color. And so, you know, when you're, when you purchase something that uh, is reflective of you, it starts to tell the world about who you are and lets you show up differently and, and be unique, right? So now we're starting to get to an emotional benefit. Now, all the ways that I just described that, it, it's not very good copy, right? We would, we would definitely want to sit down and like really think through and make sure that the words are right. And so the best way to find that out is that I would ask you, I would say, hey, tell me why you bought blue headphones. And mm -hmm. I, would, I would probably record the words, you know, I, and you could tell me, you know, what it is that appeals to you about blue or why did you choose Bluetooth uh, technology? And you could tell me those words too. And the words that you would tell me are really important. That starts to be the copy. It's not exactly word for word, although sometimes it is word for word. I would take exactly what you say, and I might use that in my product description or in my headline or in my sales message to talk about these headphones because there are other people out there like you that have those same kinds of reaction to the color blue or to the Bluetooth technology, right? And you start to get that information contextualize it so we could see why it's important to you emotionally. And we start to get to copy that can start to sell. Yeah. love it. Uh, but you know, it's interesting in, in my case, um, actually I wanted to buy black, but, uh, <laughs> that was un unavailable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So maybe blue isn't important to you, but the other features probably are right. Like the over the ear, you know, it's important because it blocks out some of the yeah. sound, right. Or maybe it's sound can canceling, you know? So, but yeah, blue maybe is the wrong feature to choose if you're the buyer, but somebody else who values that, would be more, yeah. more emotional about the color blue as opposed to black. And I, I think I agree with you. I'd rather have black too. <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, when I asked my wife, uh, what we need to buy, uh, what kind of laptop do you want uh, to get? And she replied to me, uh, white, <laughs> you know, uh, for me, uh, I never check out the color. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to get rose uh, or other colors, you know, but uh, I usually pay more attention to the features, but uh, yeah. my wife always replies, I want some color, you know, the first in the first stage color, and then uh, she can check out other features. <laughs> and well, and that's, that's exactly yeah. why it's so important to understand who your customer is, because if I... Yeah had to sell these this thing to your wife, the conversation is going to be different, especially if it's going to start with color, right? Whereas I'm selling to you, now we want to talk about some of the other features that are going to appeal to you. And that's why, you know, if, if somebody is trying to write copy and they haven't taken a look at who the customer is and what mm -hmm. their needs are, what they're thinking about, then they're going to get it wrong. 
and, and it's going to take longer to, you know, to fix those mistakes. So you always have to start with the customer and what they're thinking. Yeah, nice, nice. And you know, you remind me a movie uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio, Wolf of Wolf Street, uh, when uh, he tried to sell this pen. Sell, sell me this pen, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's more about learning customers before trying to sell. Do you need this pen? Uh, do you actually uh, use pen, uh, pen? Because, for example, I usually type, I don't need any pen, you know, so it's hard to sell to me, you know? Yeah, uh, it's, it's the same with that. Exactly I, I have... Right. Yeah, I, I have the question about uh, uh, once uh, I read the quote that you don't need to sell products, you need to sell your story. Can you tell more about that? How to sell your story, not actually products? Yeah, so uh, I, I mostly agree with that um, because there are times when, when the story isn't necessarily the right thing to do. But think about, uh, let's, think, let's talk about automobiles, um, mm -hmm. you know. An automobile, uh, the reason that you have it is so that you can get from one place to another, right? So maybe you need it to drive to work or to drive to the grocery store, or to the market, to, you know, to get groceries, um, food, maybe, um, you know, maybe you use it a little bit for entertainment, that kind of thing, right? So um, it doesn't take much to fill those needs. And a very basic, simple car can do all three of those things and, and, you know, it doesn't have to cost you a lot of money, but there are all kinds of choices out there, right? So uh, I could purchase a BMW that would do this and that's a, a bit expensive. I could, I could purchase a Subaru that does the same thing. It's, it's significantly less money, or maybe I would buy um, a Jeep. Uh, and, and what's the difference between these? Well, there's, there's a story behind each of these choices and it's less the story about the brand so it's not it's less about bmw story or jeep's story but it's the story that the consumer is telling themselves about what the the products that they are using are saying about them so if i purchase a jeep and i i do own it i love jeeps i you know they're they're fun uh it that says that maybe i'm a little bit outdoorsy right or that i want to be the kind of person who can doesn't just stay on the road but can go off road and ride you know the dirt tracks or you know out in the desert where i live um or uh maybe i choose to buy a bmw and what does the BMW say about me? It says that I um, value that precision engineering and the experience of driving and uh, that I'm willing to pay for that as opposed to somebody who maybe buys the Subaru, which is less expensive, but they want, they want a car that's safe. Uh, you know, it's got this special four wheel drive technology that works in all weather. It, it can also go off road, but it's not like um, a Jeep and maybe destructive in some ways. It's, it's a little bit more um, uh, earth friendly, you know, at least mm -hmm. that's, brand story tells me, right? And so if I purchase those products, I'm really telling a story about me, the consumer. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't products out there that have stories and they do. So, you know, think about Apple products, right? So, so many of us use, you know, iPhones or, you know, they just discontinued iPods, but, you know, we used iPods, you know, to play our music What and, and we chose those products over competitive products, MP3 players and others that did virtually the same thing, but they didn't have the same story about, hey, this makes means that I'm a creative person or that I think different about the world. Or uh, And there, of course, were people who rejected that story, right? And they said, Apple is selling you a bill of goods. They're charging you twice as much money for the technology, all because it's a story. And that's a story too. You know, so people who rejected that and bought other products, maybe they bought, um, you know, Chrome 
phones or uh, you know other uh, other laptops or whatever, they also were telling a story um, that rejected the Apple story, right? It's like, oh, it's only about you know the best price for the technology, and you can do so much more with a PC gaming computer than you can do with Apple, or it it has the open environment as opposed to Apple's closed environment, which limits what you can do. And you can't go in and just change things around, right? So the, these products have stories. And then the people who adopt the products, that's meaningful to them. And so let me ask you, Anatoly, do you, do you, would you use the Apple product or are you like a PC guy? Which, which, which <laughs> one? You, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I have Apple Watch, iPhone. Uh, MacBook, actually, uh, yeah. and you know, my family is crazy about uh, products. I think Apple provides a good job to sell to my family. No? <laughs> sure, yeah, they do a fantastic job with, and and their story really. I mean, it used to be more about being creative and what that said about you. Now it's really about the technology. Just works. You plug and play, right? Like you plug in your laptop, and it just starts and it works, and you don't have to figure out like, did I connect it to the printer right? Like it just happens. Now PCs are definitely they've gotten a lot better in the last ten or fifteen years about doing the same kinds of things. But yeah, I mean, we buy into these stories and and what they say about us. And so anyway, that's part of of you know why we want to use stories. The other half of it is is the science between behind stories. And that is that stories do something in our brains that plain information doesn't do. Can I take a I'll take a drink because I'm, I'm yeah of course of course go ahead. And you know uh, I remember when uh, Tim Hook Uh, uh, he re- uh, presented a new Apple Watch. By the way, I bought Apple Watch after that. Uh, yeah. He didn't uh, share features uh, about a new Apple Watch. He uh, shared three stories. Uh, how this Apple Watch can help others. You know, uh, one was sportsman and um, one a common man. And uh, I don't remember exactly about Ford. But, you know, uh, he shared uh, three stories how Apple Watch can help even to save lives uh, or uh, make your much, uh, your life much better, you know, to decide your problems. And when I watch it, oh, yeah, I need to buy this Apple Watch. And But, you know, for me, it's hard because if I buy something, uh, my wife, my kid, you know, everyone uh, can tell me you need to buy for me as well. So I need to pay three times more. That's right. That's right. That's how powerful the story is. So the other yeah. thing that's really important to remember, and I mean, it's really easy to identify these stories of big brands like Apple or BMW or Jeep, you know, that I'm that talking about, but we all have stories, the brands that we build. So uh, you, you uh, run an SEO company, right? And yeah. there is a story that you want to tell your customers about the work that you do. Um, you know, and it's probably not, I promise that you're going to be at the top rank in Google because that's that's an irresponsible story for an SEO company mm-hmm. to do. But uh, a lot of it is, yes, I can help you get found for the right things. And I can help you focus your marketing on the terms that your customers are looking for. And, you know, you, you help solve that problem for somebody. So there's a story there that's really important. But the, the really cool thing about stories is, the science behind them. So when we tell a story, um, and it could be as simple as, you know, Anatoly walked to the store, he picked up the the ball and he threw it to his son, right? Um, when, when we tell a story like that, in our brains, I, if I hear you saying that, I the, it will light up the parts of my brain that are related to walking to the store, uh, picking up a ball. So like, um, It, it, it lights up the exact part of my brain that would light up if I picked up a ball, even though you're the one telling the story and I'm just listening. And uh, also the part that relates to my son, 
or your son, right? So what I visualize in my brain when you tell a story is exactly the same thing that happens in my brain when I do those things. And so, you know, um, pick up a ball and throw it lights up the same part of my brain that would happen if I picked up a ball and threw it. So we actually experience things the same way when we hear a story as when we do them. Now, obviously there are some differences, but our brains have a really difficult time telling the difference. And so when we use stories, we start to bring people into the experience of actually using a product or um, you know having the same kind of an experience that the person who is telling us the story has. And that is really powerful. It's, it may be the most powerful persuasion technique of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, once I read a book uh, from Joe Sugarman, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't remember exactly, but he wrote this book like uh, 30 or 40 years ago, uh, a good book about uh, selling to customers. And uh, I think many uh, things that he mentioned on this book uh, uh, work today as well. Uh, and the first thing uh, he uh, shares that you need to retain your readers longer. If they read the whole content, you can sell a lot more. Can you tell how to retain the audience readers uh, to read the whole content? Because uh, in most cases, 80% of users uh, leave content for a few seconds. They open and leave it because they are not interested, they're not excited. Provide uh, tips how to uh, keep them longer. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think there's two things going on here. So number one, you don't want to waste the time of somebody who's not interested in whatever it is that you have to say. So mm-hmm. if somebody comes along and they, I, you know, they read the headline and they read the first couple of sentences of whatever it is that you're writing and they're not interested, that's okay. Like let them go. Right. Because you know, they, they don't want, you know, so let's say that I am selling a, a vitamin supplement and mm-hmm. you know, my headline is something about how this vitamin su- supplement is going to give you more energy or it's going to keep you healthy, that kind of thing. And the person comes along and they're not interested in that. Maybe they feel healthy enough or they have their own vitamin supplement. That's okay if they leave because, because they're, they're just not part of our audience. But for everybody else that maybe needs this, um, yeah, there are a few things that, that we need to do. Number one is with that headline or with that first outreach, maybe it's a subject line in a in an email or maybe it's the title of a podcast, right? We need to do something that um, attracts their attention and gets them curious. So we, we generally, we don't want to give away all of the answers in the headline because if they see that, they say, oh, there's my answer. I can just go, you know, and... I have enough, right? So we want to create curiosity. We want to ask questions. We want to start a story that gets people thinking. And, but um, or uh, what a lot of copywriters call opening a loop, right? We we start with an idea and say, oh, um, I'm going to tell you more about that in a minute, and then we go on to something else. We've opened that loop, and somebody whose curiosity has been piqued is like, well, I I need to find out what the more is, and so they'll stick around, right? So that's number one is that you need. To, to get attract uh, to attract the attention and create curiosity and then as people read we want to keep doing the same thing um, with stories which you know again get people to interact and feel what it is that we're talking about um, we want to tell them not just information and that's this is where most people drop off because we start saying things you know about uh, you know my vitamin supplement you know it's like oh it includes vitamin C and it includes calcium and it includes magnesium and it includes this special uh, fiber that you know keeps you regular like we, we start throwing all that stuff out there and that's that's boring 
right? We need to mm -hmm. contextualize. Again, this goes back to what we we're talking about with features. We need to contextualize that. Why is it meaningful to me as the reader? How is it going to help me? Uh, open up loops, say, you know, here's, um, you know, scientists have been telling us this thing about vitamin C and it's wrong. And I'm going to show you why. And, you know, it's like, you keep doing that over and over through the copy as you lead your reader from one idea to the next. If you forget that, you know, you, you kind of stop creating that curiosity that, oh, I want to find out more, then more readers will drop off. So, yeah, and there again, there are lots of ways to do that, but stories are a really good way. Um, you know, um, things like curiosity, which I talked about, there's another persuasion technique called liking, which is where we share things about ourselves that connect with the person who is reading uh, so that they feel like they are like us or we're like them. Uh, you know, we like, as human beings, we like people who are like us. And so we tend to be attracted to them and, uh, you know, stick around longer. And so that's why in a sales page, you'll often see an expert talking about, you know, how they got started in business or why they created this product that they're selling. There's lots of those kinds of things going on. And it's because they want you to like them as a human being, because we, we want to be around people we like. So lots of things like that to keep people reading through a, a message. Yeah, valuable, valuable. Okay, uh, uh, let me share my story. You know, uh, I remember when, like 12 years ago when I started my uh, online journey, I created a few projects. And uh, at that time, we didn't care about uh, human being. Uh, we uh, care only about uh, Google. No, yeah. we And uh, yeah, we wrote content for Google uh, to satisfy their algorithm. And uh, traffic was good, you know, then Google changed the algorithms. And today we need to care more about people than for Google. But we need to think how to optimize for Google as well. You can't yep. write only for a human and optimize for search engines. Can you tell how to find this balance between writing for a human to satisfy their intent and optimize for a search engine? Uh, because Google needs to understand our content to uh, unite with actually keywords. I should probably be asking you this question because this is what you do uh, in your business. But um, if if I was thinking about this from a business owner standpoint, I would start with not worrying about Google at all, right? Set that aside <laughs> yeah. for right now. And let's just write to your customer. Uh, you know, tell the story that you need to tell, talk about the, the features that you need to talk about, contextualize them. So we're talking about the benefits, we're making it emotional, we're giving them all of the reasons to buy, right? Once you have that done and it and your readers like it, um, you might even want to test that with some potential readers, right? So like, give it to them, have them read through. Uh, if they tell you it's good copy, it's probably not actually that good. But if they if they read it and they're like, hey, I want to buy this, then you know it's good, right? So once you have that sales message and you're happy with it and you think it's going to work, now that's when we look, might look at it and say, okay, are there keywords that we want to focus on with Google and and doing the things that you want to do, you know, with with SEO. So, you know, if it's blog content, uh, are there sentences that we can now, you know, link to other content internally, right? So that we're we're taking advantage of those kinds of connections and we're promoting the right content uh, in our site internally, right? Or is there content externally that you know we could link to? I know. That's a, that's a little bit of a mixed bag uh, because you don't, especially in a sales message, um, you usually don't want to link to other content, especially to competitors or you know somebody that's going to take you away from the site because you want to keep people there to buy. But if we're talking about content that's just there to you know build the brand or to create that relationship with the, the customer, some of those links start to become important. But yeah, I would start start with your reader, 
perfect it for them first, and then look at what you can add to make sure that it's going to actually work for Google and, and you know, keywords and your know, related terms, those kinds of things start to pepper those in, not so that it interrupts what you've just done for your customer, because like you said, Google's gotten very good at making sure that the customer experience online is just as important as the robot experience, but you're, you know, you have to do both. Yeah, you know, I, I, I always reply to my clients the same, you know, uh, forget about Google. No Google. Just create for a human. When you have this content, when you have this draft, you can optimize for Google as well, you know, <laughs> to yeah. submit keywords in your title, description, you know, uh, in content, but don't care a lot about density that you need to submit 5% of keywords. You know, it doesn't work today. Yeah, 10 years ago, it worked not today. Uh, today, it's more important about uh, creating content for a human and then optimize for search engines. Exactly about that. Okay. And well, and, and let me also just say, you know, yeah. for most sales pages, most landing pages where you're driving traffic from an ad, uh, Google's not that important anyway. I mean, it, it's great if a sales page ranks on Google. That's, that's fantastic. That's bonus. But really the traffic is coming from, you know, a paid ad. Maybe it's a Google ad. Maybe it's a Facebook ad. Maybe it's an ad on a podcast or something like that. Um, so, so for sales pages, usually you're not going to worry about Google at all. For content, totally different because you're relying on mm -hmm. Google to serve that up to your audience and to help, you know, find, uh, find that. And so, uh, again, you know, content or something where, where the traffic has to be organic, that's when you really want to worry about Google. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. I have the question about, uh, unique selling proposition. Um, yeah. I often see when webmasters, uh, website owners, they usually check out competitors and try to, uh, replicate their marketing campaigns, pay-per-click campaigns, but competitors usually highlight their strong sides. They have some, their unique selling proposition. How to find your way, uh, for example, if you know that you are much better with something like this and you need to highlight in your marketing message uh, and yeah, create awesome content. Uh, because, you know, um, uh, let me tell more about that. For example, um, when you write, uh, um, I remember when one client uh, told me, uh, you know, uh, uh, for example, I have uh, 10 products. My competitors have a thousand products. Uh, how I can create content with 10 products uh, and uh, to outrank or to uh, set up paid at campaigns, you know, uh, to get much higher results with man, uh, my 10 products. Uh, I mean, like more about unique selling proposition. Can you tell more about that? Yeah. So unique selling proposition is this idea that there's something about your product or your service that is different from everybody else that's out there. And when it was invented back in the 50s, the 1940s, 50s, that was pretty, it was actually pretty easy to do because there weren't that many competitors out there. You know, you had two, maybe three brands of coffee. Uh, and, you know, one, you know, was maybe roasted differently. One was maybe canned differently. Um, and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, one was priced differently, right? So finding a selling proposition that was unique back then was very easy. Today, not only do we have this proliferation of products and services, but it's also very easy to copy something that works. And so, you know, as an SEO specialist, Anatoly, if you discover something that works better than everything else out there, and that's your, the unique thing about you, it's going to take about three days for your competitors to see what you're doing and to say, oh, we can copy that and do it too. 
And, and that's not just SEO, like that's everything, right? Um, and so finding a unique selling proposition today is extremely difficult. And they, you know, they really don't exist all that much. And so I would, I would suggest that it's actually smarter to look for what makes you different and superior. And that's going to be, a, you know, that, that could be a process, that could be an ingredient, that could be, um, you know, part of the experience of working with you. There are lots of different ways to differentiate that. And um, we call that a, a unique mechanism is once you develop this thing, the way that you do it differently um, is better than everybody else. And so, so let me ask you this, Anatoly, as an SEO specialist, you, the, the way that you do SEO, you think that is the best way, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I can still. Well, uh, if... Yeah. Well, I don't, let me say, let me just follow that up with, of course you do, because if, if you didn't think you were doing it the best way, then you would change it because you want to provide yeah. that experience for your customer. Right. And so you need to start thinking about, okay, so what is it, what's different? You know, maybe, um, I, I start with a call and we go through this process of 27 questions. That's different from my competitors. You know, they don't go as mm -hmm. deep, you know, they don't think about the business the same way, or, or maybe their approach, maybe you've got a slightly different approach to stacking content, right. And linking to make sure that, um, that, you know, cornerstone content ranks faster, you know, so, so those kinds of things make your service different. If you thought that something else was better, that's what you would do. You would do it. And nobody Googles the second best way to do SEO or the third best way mm -hmm. to do it. They, they want the best way, right? And so that's what they come to you for. And so uh, rather than thinking of like a USP, what's the unique selling proposition? Think about what's different about my process. What's different about the way that I relate to my customers? What's different about the deliverable that I have or you know the steps that I take or the ingredients in my product? And why does my way make it better than my competitors? You know, do I, do I deliver a better result? And it doesn't have to be a better result. Do I deliver a better experience? Do I, you know, deliver a, a better um, uh, price, you know, a price point? Do I deliver a better mix of products? And, and by kind of stepping through that in a process, you get to a unique, something that's unique and different and superior about your business. You could call that a unique selling proposition, a USP, but I, I would think it, of it differently as, as a unique mechanism. And then if you can connect that mechanism to the outcomes, the reason that you get this result is because of my mechanism. Now you've got something that is you know, compellingly different. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, okay, I have the question about AI tools. What do you think? They're ready today to replace copywriters or not? <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. Um, I, I actually think that AI is never going to replace copywriters, no matter how good they get. Uh, and the mm -hmm. reason is because of what we were talking about earlier about story. AI just, I mean, it just doesn't connect on a, it's not human, right? It And so having a... a trying to to recreate a human experience and connect on a one-to-one -one level at some point that's going to break down now ai does some things very very well um, we can tell it to do things and it will do what we tell it to do um, it can take uh, stick lines from emails and you know we can tweak two or three words and we know that this is going to work better you know than another thing and it can measure all of that stuff but that changes over time and it takes some intelligence, some human intelligence just to help tweak the algorithm so that AI continues to work. So I could be totally wrong about this. You know, maybe, maybe AI is the end of human civilization and we will all be replaced by robots, you know, 
like Elon Musk <laughs> says we will be someday, right? Um, but I, I, I just don't, I don't buy it. I think there's something unique about being human. The, the way that we connect, that it, it takes uh, a good thinking human being to do that. Now, does that mean that there aren't things that AI will do that will replace what copywriters do? Absolutely not. You know, if, if you are not good enough at selling or at creating that emotional connection and you can be replaced by a robot that gets good enough, then, then you're going to get replaced. And that's why, you know, having these higher end skills, sales, persuasion, and not just making the, the word sound nice is really important for copywriters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great point. Um, I have the last question. Um, you know, uh, uh, for example, if you started today without any experience, skills, anything, uh, what will you do to become an expert uh, with writing, to, to write awesome text? Uh, I, I see one thing, what you can do to read all these books, you know, yeah. <laughs> behind you and many others, uh, other ways, <laughs> plus other ways. This is, a, this is a really good question. Um, yeah, I mean, anytime you want to start a new skill, it's good to get a book or two, you know, maybe four or five books. But mm -hmm. um, reading a book is not going to teach you how to be a copywriter any more than reading a book about SEO would teach you how to be, you know, a search engine optim uh, optimizer, you know, worth their salt. Like you get the principles, but it's the doing that matters. It's, it's the experience. And so, yes, read a couple of books on copywriting or, or whatever the thing is that, that you know, you want to do. Um, and then, or, or you could buy a course or two, right? Same thing. You're developing a, a skill set, but it's all about practice. Uh, you need to, to um, so again, going to copy. If I'm going to start over as a copywriter, uh, then I want to start writing copy, whether that's for me and my own business or for, for um, some potential clients. I, I need to be writing. And then the third element is I, you need good feedback from somebody who is smarter than you, who has done this before. So not from, not from your brother, uh, you know, not from somebody who has no experience, not from your client's spouse or partner, uh, you know, not from, from that person, but from somebody who's done this before. And so finding a mentor, uh, finding a coach who can give you feedback on your copy and say, okay, Good start on this headline, but what can we do to, you know, make sure that it's really capturing the interest? You know, maybe we need to use a specific number here, or maybe this word combination is, is hanging you up a little bit because people stumble over that, right? So having that kind of feedback and you say, oh, okay, and then you make changes and, um, you know, being able to throw it out into the world and measure and see, okay, how does the world respond? Um, now that I see how the world is responding, what would I do differently to get people to read past the third par paragraph or to click on this button as opposed to, you know, dropping off? And so going through that experience of trial and error, that's the next thing. Having that coach or mentor who can tell you exactly what to do, critical mm -hmm. for developing a skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, for example, if you read the book, how to play soccer or tennis, you, you can't play uh, awesome. You can read a hundred books, how to play soccer uh, or any other sports. But if you don't actually play, if you don't go to the field and to play, you can't be awesome. That's why many great authors usually write plus thousand words a day. You know, yeah, they spend time. They, uh, I remember when I read the book, uh, Martin Eden uh, by Jack London, and he shared on this book that uh, uh, great uh, offers usually write a lot, you know, like plus thousand words a day. In many other books, you, you can find totally the same. Just practice. Acting is the best 
uh, skills than anything else. Yeah. yeah, practice, practice, but good feedback also. Because if you practice, mm -hmm. if you practice and you're not doing it right, that's just gonna you know, create bad habits, or it, you know, it's not gonna work. So practice absolutely, but get feedback from somebody who is a, a step or two ahead of you, or a little bit smarter than you, and can help you really improve your practice. Yeah, love it. Uh, Rob, uh, thanks a lot for taking part in our podcast. Uh, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, so uh, you can find me at thecopywriterclub.com. We have a podcast there where we talk to copywriters and share all kinds of copywriting information. Um, we have uh, a free Facebook group also called the Copywriter Club. If you want to jump on and, and join there, uh, it is for copywriters only. And so, you know, well, uh, I'll just throw that caveat out there. But if you're a copywriter and you want to you know, learn more, we have copywriters who focus on SEO in there. We have 14,000 copywriters that we have copywriters who focus on just about everything uh, in mm -hmm. there. Um, but you can check out, you know, the things that we do to help copywriters at the copywriterclub.com. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Love, uh, love all your insights. Welcome back anytime to share more value with my audience. And thanks, guys, for listening and watching us. Thanks, Anatoly.